We read in verse 20, John chapter 21, then Peter turning about, seeing the disciple. Notice that next phrase, whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. That phrase is used four different times in the book of John. And what a phrase. Just stop and think about it. We know that Jesus loves the whole world. He died for every single person that's ever lived. He loves the whole world. He had a special love for this group of men that he called to follow him and be his disciples. Why would he love this one so special that he would include in his inspired word, this is the disciple whom I loved. Again, he loved them all. In verse 24, that, disciples, that disciple whom Jesus loved identified himself. This is a disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. He, he, it's in the book of John. So the disciple that Jesus loved was John himself. Now, just stop and think what you know about John. We know that John was the son of Zebedee. We know that he had a brother, uh, James, who was also a disciple. We know that they were fishermen that they were actually partners with Peter and Andrew as they fished on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, And when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, John is one, uh, again, of the four fishermen that were part of his group of disciples. He was one that left home. He was one that walked away from the family business. He was one that left his dad uh, to, uh, to follow Christ. And the point of my message this morning is this. If John was the disciple that Jesus loved, why shouldn't we aspire to that same position? Why wouldn't we want Jesus to say about us, hey, that's the disciple that I love. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, he loved all his disciples. I know he loved all his disciples. He loves the whole world. He loves you and I because he loves the whole world and he loves all of his disciples. But in a special way, the Bible says that Jesus loved the Apostle John. Jesus loved the disciple John. If there's some things that John did to cause Jesus to love him in this special way, why wouldn't we try to do the same things? Why wouldn't we desire to have Jesus say that same thing about us? Yes, I know he loves all of us. I know he loves all the disciples. But why wouldn't we aspire to those same three things and have Jesus say about us, that's a disciple that I love. That's a disciple that I love. And if you're going to be a disciple that Jesus loves, then you have to be willing to do the same thing that John did. That when Jesus calls, that if necessary, you would leave home, you would leave family, you would leave the things that are important to you, and follow him. Again, if you're going to be a disciple that he loves in a special way, you have to be willing to pay that price. But wait a minute, when he called, uh, the apostle Peter did that same thing. And James, the apostle James, John's brother, did that same thing. They left home. They left the family business. Uh, they, 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 they left family behind. And yet, Jesus never said about Peter, that's the disciple that I love. He never said about James, that's the disciple I, uh, uh, that I love. But he said about John, that's the disciple that I love. And again, if, you're gonna, if we aspire to have Jesus say that same thing about us, we have to be willing to do what John did. When he calls, we have to be willing to give up everything that's important to us, if that's what he asked for, to follow him. We also know that he was one of the inner circle. 
He was one of the three disciples that Jesus included three different times when none of the other disciples were included. He was, he was one of the three, along with Peter and James, that got to go into the home of Jairus, a priest. And, and, and Jairus' daughter, a little 12-year-old daughter, had died. And Jesus went into the room and raised that young lady from the dead. He took her by the hand and called her back to life. John, along with Peter and James, was one of that inner circle that saw that. He was also one of that same inner circle, John, Peter, and James, that went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Moses and Elijah and saw Jesus transformed before his very eyes. He, he, he appeared as bright light. He appeared as the purity of bright light. He heard a voice from heaven. John, along with Peter and James, heard a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, talking about Jesus Christ, in whom I'm well pleased. He was also one of the three that got to go deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane and pray with Jesus. Of course, they were sleeping instead of praying, but he was one of the three that Jesus called to go deeper with him into the Garden of Gethsemane the night that he was arrested, the night before he was crucified. As part of that inner circle in seeing Jairus' daughter raised from the dead and standing on the Mount of Transfiguration, hearing that voice from heaven, seeing Jesus transform before their eyes, John was a disciple that knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And if you're going to be a disciple that Jesus loves, there needs to be no doubt in your mind that he indeed is the Son of God. But just a minute. Peter knew that because he saw Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. James knew that. He was there when the little girl was raised. He was on the mountain with Jesus and heard that voice from heaven. And yet, God, and, and, and yet Jesus never said one time about Peter and never said one time about James, this is the disciple that I love. We know something else about John. We know that he wrote five books of the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. He was a man that loved God's word. And God's word was important to him. And if we're going to be a disciple that Jesus loves, the word of God, we, we need to know that the Bible is the word of God. We need to know that, it, it, that it's, it's a word that was given by God to 40 different men. They wrote it as they were inspired by God. And the Bible is the word of God, no doubt. That's what we need to believe. John believed that. He was a disciple that Jesus loved because he believed the, the word of God was the word of God. But just a minute. Peter wrote a couple books of the Bible. James wrote a book of the Bible. The Bible was important to them. They knew it was the word of God. And yet, Jesus never said one time about the Apostle Peter. This is the disciple that I love. He never said one time about the Apostle James. This is the disciple that I I love. What was it about John that made him the disciple that Jesus loved? I'm going to give you three reasons this morning. And there might be more than three, but three makes a good sermon, three points in an illustration. Uh, That's what somebody always told me. Sometimes I have more than three. A lot of times I have more than three. But I have three this morning. Three reasons why Jesus said about John, this is the disciple that I love. Number one, he sought to get close to Christ. 
He, 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 he sought to get as physically and as spiritually close to Jesus Christ as any of the disciples. In John chapter 13, in fact, uh, it's referred to here in, 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 from what we read in John chapter 21, verse 20, where, where it says, Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper. Now let me read from John chapter 13. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That, that supper in the upper room. That supper when Jesus began to explain that he was going to go to the cross and die. That supper where he disrobed himself and wrapped himself in a towel and washed their feet, giving them an example of servanthood. It was at that supper that John leaned on his breast. Most of us have seen the picture that Michelangelo has painted of that supper, his idea of what the supper looked about, looked like. Jesus sitting at the table, the 12 disciples sitting at the table with him. Perhaps there were others in the room, I don't know. Maybe there were just the 12. But as you look at that picture, you see one man's, uh, one man's idea of what it looked like. You see the disciples gather around the table. Peter was there, the spokesperson of the disciples. James, the son of Zebedee. Andrew, Matthew, the publican. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, the doubter. James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite. Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. And John. And as you look at that picture, each one of them had given up something to follow Christ. Each one of them had given up family. Each one of them had given up professions. But the, the one that was closest to Jesus, and I don't think it was just a last supper of, of event. The one that was closest to Jesus at the supper, the one that was leaning on his breast, was the apostle John. And I think that, again, it wasn't a one-time event. I think that's how John spent the entire three and three and a half years that he spent with Jesus. He wanted to be the one that sat next to him. He wanted to be the one that walked next to him. When they slept at night underneath the stars, he wanted to sleep close to Jesus. He wanted to be close to him. And if we're going to be the disciple that Jesus loves, we need to have that same desire, that same uh, ambition in our life. I want to get as close to my Savior as I can. I, I, I want to get closer and closer to him every single day. You might say, well, preacher, how can we do that? John had the advantage. Jesus physically walked the face of the earth. He had a body that he could get close to. We, we don't have a body. We worship God in spirit. How can I get close to my Savior? I'll give you the answer, but you already know it. It's obvious. You spend time in this book. This is his word. This is the Savior talking to us. You want to get close to him? This book becomes the most important part of your life. The word of God. You want to get close to him? You spend time in prayer. You see him as a son of God that can answer prayer. That can not only meet our every need, but sometimes give us things that we want that we don't deserve just because he loves us. The blessings that he bestows upon him. You come to this place, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. How can people that don't come to church say, I want to get close to Jesus when they don't make it a regular habit of being part of the body of Christ? 
You want to get close to him? You stay in this book. You stay in prayer. You stay in church attendance. You love other people. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is likened to it. Love others as yourselves. You want to get close to Jesus? Then you spend your life doing what he did. He said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. We ought to be about seeking the lost, introducing them to the Savior. And again, that's what we try to be about. That's what's, that's what's at the center of everything that we do here. People, sometimes people say, Brother Clyde was telling me when Brother John was telling him about the church, Brother John held out his belly. He doesn't have to stretch much to do that, but he, he held out his belly. He said, the only problem with this church is they eat too much. <laughs> Look at the condition I'm in after I've joined this church. I would have been there, Brother Clyde. I would have told him, you were in that condition before you came. Can't blame us. I know, I'm mean. Where was I? (laughs) How can anybody say they didn't want to get close to Jesus Christ and forsake the assembling of themselves together? Can't do it. Can't do it. You want to be the disciple that Jesus loved? Then you try to get as close to him as you can. You have to do it on purpose. It's not going to just happen by accident. There's going to be things that will try to stop you. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The the old man that lives inside of you, the the Bible calls it our flesh. It's going to fight against you when you try try to get close to Christ. It's going to give you all sorts of obstacles and put all sorts of barriers up between you and Jesus. And you have to fight the flesh. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You may be a Christian, and Satan has lost your soul, but he wants to mess you up. He wants to mess up your testimony. He doesn't want you to get close to Christ. And Satan will throw every barrier and obstacle he can between you and Jesus. In James 4.4, 4, the Bible says, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. The world's going to battle against you. The world doesn't want you to get close to Christ. The closer you get to Christ, the more salt you're going to be. The more light you're going to be as you reflect the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And the world's going to fight against you. And if you're going to get close to Jesus, you got to do it on purpose. You got to do it by plan. You got to want to do it. And it's got to be the overriding desire of your life. I want to get closer to Him. I want to live closer to Him. You want to be the disciple that Jesus loves? Make that your heart's desire. Number two, you want to be the disciple that Jesus loves? Then you stay with Him regardless of what's happening. You stay with him regardless of what the, 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 the things that Satan throws at you, the things that the world throws at you, the things that flesh throws at you. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, when, when, uh, the, the Bible says that he looked down and he saw some women there, one of whom was his mother. And he saw one of his disciples. Just one. The rest of them had fled. The rest of them had run. The one that he saw at the foot of the cross was the disciple that he loved, John. Remember what he said? 
Remember what he said to his mom? Remember what he said to John? He said, Mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. What he's saying, Mom, I'm entrusting your care to John. He said to John, the disciple who he loved, John, I want you to take care of my mom. I want you to take care of my mom. You see, when we desire to get close to Christ, and when we decide that we're going to follow him regardless of what comes, he'll give us a special place of service. He'll ask us to do something he doesn't ask anybody else to do. He asked John to do it because nobody else was there. I mean, Peter had followed Jesus uh, in, 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 into Caiaphas' house. I mean, uh, all the other disciples had forsook him. But John was there, and, and Peter was there. Now John was on the inside. Peter was on the outside. And while Peter was outside denying that he even knew Christ, John was on the inside standing beside him. And, and again, I can just picture it in my mind. He stood before the high priest. The high priest was putting Jesus on trial. And again, they were going to find him guilty of the only thing that they could find him guilty of, being the son of God. But John was standing there beside him. Peter was outside cursing. He said, oh, no, I don't know him. I, I, don't, I don't know him at all. I'm not one of his disciples. But John was standing there beside him, not afraid for anybody to know, raising his hands and saying, this is my master. This is the one I've given my life to, and I don't care who knows about it. I want everybody to know he's my master. He's my Lord. You want to be the disciple that Jesus loves? Then regardless of what the world or Satan throws your way, you say, it doesn't matter. I'm yours. I want everybody to know I belong to you. You are my Lord. You are my master. And when we get close to him, and and, and when we stay close to him, regardless of what happens, God lets us see in a special way. John chapter 21, chapter we read from this morning. Some of the disciples were fishing. They fished all night. They caught nothing. In the morning, they noticed a man standing on the shore. He said, hey, do you have any meat? Have you caught any fish? One of them, probably Peter, yelled back, no, we've fished all night, we've caught nothing. The man on the shore, who did it, they did not know, they did not recognize. He said, uh, hey, cast your net on the other side. Throw it on the other side of the boat. Now, a fisherman knows it doesn't matter what side of the boat you fish from. You're going to catch a fish, right, Bruce? It doesn't matter what side of the hole you're on. If you got your line, Bruce is a fisherman. If you put, got your line in the hole in the ice, it doesn't matter what side of the hole you're on. Fisherman knows it doesn't matter what side of the boat you're on. But the disciples picked up the net. They threw it on the other side of the boat. They caught, I think this was a time where they caught 153 fishes. I can't remember. I think there's one time they numbered 153 fish just by throwing the net on the other side. Of that. None of the disciples recognized him. Peter was there. He didn't recognize him. When they pulled up the fish, John looked toward shore and he says, Peter, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He was the only disciple. There were seven of them there. He was the only one that recognized him as, as Christ. 
I mean, these disciples were in a, in a time of their life when they were wondering if they devoted their life and given their life to something that really didn't matter. I mean, Jesus had been crucified. Yeah, they'd seen him resurrected, but they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how he, he was going to use them. It, it, was a, it was a storm in their life. That's why they were fishing. They'd gone back to something that was familiar. They said, maybe we've wasted the last three and a half years of our life. And, and so they, they went back to fish. And, 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 and when they pulled that great number of fish in their net, and, and John looks toward shore, he said, Peter, it's the master. It's Jesus. It's the Savior. When we get close to the Lord and when we stand by the Lord, and we're going to talk about that more tonight in that, in that sermon, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, but when we get close to him and when we stand, regardless of what comes, even in the middle of storms, even when a lot of other people can't see the hand of God at work in their life, we can. We can. We may not understand it. We may not be able to explain it to anybody. But if you're striving to get close to Jesus Christ and you're willing to stand regardless of what comes, in the middle of the storm, God will give you a special perception and you can see him at work regardless of the circumstances. The disciple that Jesus loved. Now, let me hasten to say this morning, you can't be a disciple until you become a Christian. You can't be a disciple until you get saved. The Bible says we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of you I've just met. Some of you I don't know very well. But I I, I have no hesitation telling you like I tell myself every time I look at myself in the mirror, you're a sinner. You're a wicked, dirty, vile sinner. But I also tell myself, but God loves you. I tell you this morning, but God loves you. And while you were a sinner, when you had did nothing that deserved God's love, God proved his love towards you in that he sent his son to die for your sins, to die in your place, to pay the penalty that you owed. He did that for you because he loved you. We sang a lot of love songs this morning about the love of God. Uh, and, 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 and we need to be reminded, not just on Valentine's Day, but every Sunday. God loves us. We don't deserve it, but he loves us. And he sent his son to die in our place. And if we'll accept him, if we'll receive him, he'll make us part of his family. He'll save us from the penalty of our sin. The penalty of sin is death, separation from God. But if we accept Jesus Christ... That penalty has been paid in full by the blood. Lydia sang about it. Who? Jesus. How? By the blood. Where? At Calvary. At Calvary. If you receive him this morning, you can become a Christian. You can bear his name. You can bear his righteousness. You can stand before God just as if you've never sinned. Simple by coming and receiving Christ. Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you're somewhere between doubt and belief, would you come all the way over and believe this morning? Would you? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for making it so simple. 
that each one can understand what they need to do to receive Christ. And I pray if there's even just one here this morning that's never asked Jesus to be their Savior, they would see their sin. They would see the penalty for that sin. They would see the price that he paid on Calvary for them as an individual. And they would come and receive Christ. I, I pray again, Father, if there's one or two, however many here this morning that's never made that decision, that in the next few moments they would make that decision. They would pray that prayer. You've taught the sinner to pray, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. I pray, Father, if they need some help in doing that, they'll come in just a second when we sing an invitation song and we'll take the Bible. We'll show them from the Bible how to ask Jesus to be their Savior. So please, Father, bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts. Speak to Christians' hearts. Help us to desire to be a disciple that you love. To clear everything out of the way and get close to you and stand with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.